Welcome to the Heart Zone, a podcast ministry of Kernsville Christian Church, featuring the teaching ministry of George Cannon. For more information about Kernsville Christian Church, visit us on the web at www.kernsvillechristian.org. And now, for a message from the Heart Zone, here's George. You know, we've been looking at the whole issue of suffering. And if you haven't grasped it yet, you need to, and this is the reality. Suffering is a part of our lives, period. Every one of us is going to suffer. Every one of us is going to go through difficulties. Every one of us is going to be hurt. Every one of us is going to deal with things that we don't know how to handle. Every one of us, that's life. And life isn't fair. Life is tough. And that is the life that we live in. And it's not God's fault. Let's be honest. We've got to go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. That entered into this world because of the sin of two people. Our forefathers, Adam and Eve. And so that's the reality. So what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks is looking at the issue that there is a reality that we're going to suffer. But we've seen that God gives us wisdom for suffering. Remember we talked about that God gives you wisdom if you just got to ask for it to help you get through it. We've also seen, and we saw this last week, that God gives you grace. He doesn't promise to take away the problem. He gives you grace to deal with the suffering, to deal with the issue. We're going to see now that there is something else that He's given us. And if you're a believer here, it's probably the most important thing that you need to realize what He has given you to help you through the difficult times with the suffering, with the problems that you're facing, He's given you the church. And the church is a community of healing. And we're going to see that in this passage today. Now, as I say that, let me just stop for a moment, because a lot of us have a misconception about church. For instance, for years we saw church as, and you'll still see people on the street who'll say this, well, I don't go to church, and what they're talking about is they don't go to that building. And so a lot of people have this concept of church as the building. And so I I don't go to church. And and usually what they think of in terms of going to church is in terms of attending a service, singing some music, and listening to some guy speak at you or preach at you and falling asleep. And then you leave and come back the next week. And that's the concept of church. And so some people have that concept. Some people have a concept of church as an organization. It's, it's this, this conglomerate thing that is, you know, they do certain things, they provide certain services, and it's got a structure, and you know, and you, you've got to be a member, and you work your way up to the top, and you make decisions, and they're always asking for money, and a lot of people have that kind of concept about church too, don't they? Now here's the problem with both of those concepts. They're not biblical. That's not what the Bible says about the church. What the Bible says about the church, it says it's the body of Christ made up of individual members. Who are they? Believers who come together to minister to each other. So whether the building was here, it's not a question of going to church, it's a question of being the church. You understand what I'm saying? It's not a question of going, it's a question of being. And specifically what we're going to look at today, one dynamic of the church is that the church is to be a community of healing. A place where if you are broken, a place where if you are hurting, a place where if you are suffering, you can go there 
and know that you can find healing. Now, here's the reason why. I'm going to share with you what the, one of the greatest tools of the enemy is, the Satan is. One of the greatest tools of the enemy is isolation. You hear what I'm saying? One of the greatest tools of the enemy is to, he'll come to you and he'll whisper to you and say, you're the only one. Nobody cares. You're alone. And he will whisper that in your ear, whether you realize it or not. If you don't believe in him, you need to. And isolation is the tool of the enemy against you. But my friends, God has a different plan. God has a plan where there is a community of people who will love and care for you and accept you because they recognize where they're at and that they need love and they need to be cared for and they need grace. And so what we're going to talk about today is we look at this whole issue of suffering, the suffering of God's imperfect people. God has not just given us wisdom. God has not just given us grace. God's given us each other. So let's look what James says. James chapter 5. Look with me at verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Hebrews says this, and let us Consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. You know, it's, it's really interesting when you meet Christians, especially we're human beings and we, we have, we, we're governed by those two wrong concepts of church. We'll, we'll say, Oh, it's just a building, or it's just an organization, and I'm just a number, or I'm just a, a, an offering in the plate, or a seat to fill. And what will happen is, is when you go through suffering, and let's be honest, suffering does happen, right? Everybody's going to go through suffering. If you're not going through suffering right now, what? You will go through suffering. Just wait. It'll happen. And here's what will happen. is Remember what I told you. With the whole issue of suffering, suffering does one of two things. It will either draw you to God or draw you away from God. And as pastor, I have watched this through the years with people, different churches. I've watched Christians who maybe were faithful for the moment, and as soon as something bad happened, they left. And the very place that they should have gone, they quit going to. Because they had a wrong concept of what the church is. And see, when the writer of Hebrews says to us, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, he is not saying that just as some command. He's talking to a group of people, because you've got to understand the book of, book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews was written to Christians who were undergoing some very severe persecution, 
And they were getting ready to give up their faith and go back to Judaism. And the book of Hebrews was written to encourage them to stand fast in the midst of all that they're going through. And then when you come to chapter 10, he gives you that statement, verse 25, 24 and 25. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Stir each other up into good works. Encourage each other. That's the purpose of church. James, I think, does a better job. And let's look at what he says here. First of all, we're going to look at the church's response, verses 13 through 14. Notice what he says. Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is any among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let him let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Here's what I want you to see. Three things about the response of the church. Number one, we need to pray. We need to pray. very first thing I want you to see there is we need to pray. He says, is anyone among you suffering? You know what the most least attended service is in North America? Anybody have a guess? Yeah, prayer. Now, why? Why do you think that is? I have a good idea why. I'll share it with you. It's because we don't really think it matters anymore. We don't really think it's going to accomplish anything. We've been taught for so long to handle stuff on our own, it just seems trivial to go to God and bring to Him our problems. And so the least, the least effective thing that will happen in a church is prayer meeting. And, and through the years you've heard it referred to as the hour of power. Well, nobody believes that anymore. And here's what James is saying. Notice what he says. Is any among you suffering... You know what? Let's look at a room around here. We've probably got maybe 60, 70 people in here today. If you look around the room, I can almost guarantee you that there are people who are going through things, and you may not even know it because they don't say anything about it. And even the people who are here, and they seem to have their act together, on the inside, it is a raging, boiling cauldron of turmoil in their life. And what's going on there is, is that they are dealing with stuff And they're here, and the enemy is whispering to them, you're alone, you're alone, you're alone. And the fact of the matter is, of all the places they should be able to come to, the response of the church is, let's pray. In fact, we'll even say that. Have you noticed that we'll do stuff like this? You meet Joe Schmo. How's Joe doing? Oh, Joe says, I'm not doing really well, man. I'm not doing good at all, Pastor. And here's what we'll say. I'll pray for you. Then Joe Schmo leaves. Do we pray? Not until the next Sunday when we see Joe coming and we say, Oh, I told him I'd pray for him. Lord, bless Joe. Let me ask you a question. If you were in Joe's shoes, is that how you want people praying for you? See, the response of the church, a community of healing, is that we want pray for one another. Pray for one another. Pray for one another. We need to pray. The other thing I want you to see there is that we need to encourage. Some of you things are going really well right now. And the writer James says, if things are going well, if you are cheerful, what? Let them sing psalms. What does that mean? That whole premise there of let them be an encouragement to others. See, it's not just the issue of being a dumping on people about your problems. If things are going really well, you also need to encourage people. Say, hang in there, man. Things were going rough for me. But man, God got me through it and He'll get you through it too. A word of encouragement. A song. A song. James says the response of the church, not just to pray, but to encourage. 
Look, look, listen to me, folks. When you look around and you know that people are going through the garbage of life, our human tendency is to say, especially if we know that maybe you've done something wrong, is to say to them, boy, they're just getting what they deserve. Isn't it interesting how we treat each other? Now, if it was reversed and you were in that position, how much would you appreciate it if people talked like that? I don't think it's, I don't think that when Jesus, I, I think it's very interesting that Jesus would say to us, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Isn't that interesting? That he would make that kind of a statement. You know what? We need to be those kind of people. We need to encourage. And then here's the other thing. We need to respond with care. We need to respond with care. Because notice what he says there. And some of you are going to be interesting in my perception of this passage. I'll explain it to you here in a moment. He says, If any of you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. A lot of people have a, different, a lot of different definitions of what the whole anointing issue is. Chuck Swindoll, I think, has probably the best view of it. He views it as medical help. Because he says, when you look at the culture of that time, people would, when you got sick, they would rub you with oil. I never forget, I married Lori's family. I was working for her, married her into her family. Not her family, I didn't marry it. But you do marry it. And I was working, and I think I, I maybe scraped myself or something. And, and you know, being farming folks, they, they go into the cupboard and they get out this jar of pain oil. Now, some of you don't know what that is. Be glad. Okay? And the whole purpose of pain oil is that you rub it on what's bad. Now, there's a reason why it's called pain. Because it's painful. You know, and, and that's the whole concept there that you give attention. Now, here's the point of the verse. If someone is sick, let him call for the elders, and the elders will pray over him, but the elders will also what? Care. Remember what I told you? The enemy's attack is isolation. The most wonderful thing that a church can do is to, when they see that somebody in their midst is hurting, is to rally there and care and be there. And to respond with care. And to help. That's the church's response. That's what the church's response needs to be. But then when now you say, now why do we need to do that? Because when you look at verses 15 through 17, he gives you the basis for the response. He tells you why. Look with me at verse 15. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Here's the point. There is healing in the community. There is healing in community. Understand that. If you're sick, there's healing in community. Now, healing can take place in several different ways. You may not be healed because you say, well, you know, I know somebody and they, you know, the church was there and they never got over their physical ailments. But see, healing takes place in more than just one dimension. Healing takes place on an emotional level, takes place on a physical level, and healing takes place on a spiritual level. And the healing that a church community, family, can bring to someone may be on an emotional and spiritual level because God's will is not maybe that they be healed physically. And so he says that, you know, if they're sick, they may find healing. If they need forgiveness, because look, that is an issue of spiritual healing, is it not? They'll have healing. 
He goes on and he says this too. Notice now, he says, the key is faith. The key is faith. Notice what he says. Confess your trespasses to one another, verse 16, and pray for one another that you may be healed. Again, the community healing there. And the effective, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It's the key is your faith. Now, here I gave you a definition a couple of weeks ago about what faith is. I'll give it to you again. Here's what it is. Faith is a trust in, a belief in, and a commitment to, and I'll say it again So, for those of you who are writing it down. Faith is a belief in, a trust in, a commitment to, the revealed Word of God, despite hindrances, obstacles, and circumstances that seem otherwise. That's what faith is. And so, when we pray, our prayer is not in looking at that situation and thinking, well, you know, he doesn't have a chance, but I'll pray anyhow. Our prayer is not in that. Our prayer is in your revealed Word, God. Our prayer is in you, And even if obstacles seem otherwise, I'm going to trust you to do the right thing. Now, let me just stop for a minute. The right thing may be different than what you think is the right thing. Does everybody understand me? The right thing may be different than what you think is the right thing. But the key is your faith. And then he goes on and he says this. We need each other. We need each other. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The fact of the matter is, is listen, this is the whole premise of the, of the 12-step groups. Everybody understand what a 12-step group is? It's AA or NA or CA. What's CA? Chocoholics Anonymous. It, this is the whole premise of that. My wife just gave me a dirty look. Okay. You can tell she's not a part. The whole premise is you've got to admit a problem first before you get help. Okay. <laughs> I'm in trouble. Okay. Here's the problem. Here's what I want you to see. The whole premise of those groups is, is that there is what? There's healing in community. Healing is found in community and we need each other. And if you notice, the thing about guys who go like the AA, they're there for each other. You talk to somebody who's gone. Those guys who are in that group are there for each other to help them overcome the sickness, the sin. Why does it have to take place outside the church? Why? We need each other. If you're struggling with sin, the best place to go is with others who struggle too and to help you through it. If you're struggling with sickness, the best place to go is where people will embrace and grab a hold of the throne of God and pray for you. And be there for you and minister to your needs. That's reality. You know, after I go home today, I'm going to need some healing too from the fa- from the family here. Okay. Here, finally, here's the point. Here's the point I want you to see, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this one. The prayers of God's people are effective. You know, it's so interesting that secular science is studying the effects of prayer on the sick. And here's what they're finding out. That when they have patients who are prayed for, they actually get better. Or they get through their sickness better. Doesn't necessarily mean they get healed, but they get through it better. Isn't that interesting? The secular world sees 
The power of prayer. But the church does it. See, oftentimes I've, I've seen this happen. I, you know, I'll be with a group of people and we'll have prayer time and I'll say, well, you go ahead and pray. And, and every once in a while someone will say, well, you know, I'd like to, George, but I don't pray like you. And my response is, so? You don't talk like me either. And God doesn't want you to pray like me. He wants you to be you. And the issue is prayer. Because, my friends, you don't even know what you can accomplish unless you pray. Jerry Falwell, the late Jerry Falwell, used to say this. That nothing of eternal significance is ever achieved apart from prayer. And maybe the reason why we are not seeing things change because we don't pray. You know, we do have prayer times here. We have prayer seminars. We have prayer breakfasts. We just had a prayer breakfast yesterday. We have prayer time on Sunday evenings, time of prayer. And all we do is get together and pray. There are lots of opportunities. If you're in a small group, there's probably an opportunity there where you are given to pray. But most of us, let's be honest, we don't pray unless it's a crisis that happens with us. But a key dynamic that you need to understand when it comes to the issue of being a community of healing is this, that the prayers of God's people are effective. What does that mean? God's people got to start praying. God's people got to start praying. Now here's what happens. I know how it happens because, you know, we live in the microwave generation. We live in the, we live in that whole dynamic thought of, of the drive-through and we want everything now. We want to have it our way. And, and here's what happens. We pray, but you know what? We don't know the whole thing of praying it through, as the old timers used to say, or the whole thing of perseverance in prayer. And so we pray. We maybe pray one day or two days or three days. And if we don't see any change, we just say, oh, well, there's no sense praying anymore. My friends, some things require a lot of prayer. And some things you may never see the outcome of it while you live. But you don't give up praying. So we see that dynamic. That's the basis for the community of healing is God's people praying. And you say, okay, George, what do I do with all this? Let me wrap it up for you. Again, first question. We've asked this for the last few weeks now. How do you react to suffering in your life? Some of you are going through something right now. I don't know what it is. You do. You're carrying a burden. You're carrying a pain. Maybe you're facing some financial difficulties. Maybe you're facing some health issues. Somebody has told you something. Maybe it's a doctor, and you're carrying it. And you've, you've embraced the isolation mode, but yet you realize that you, you shouldn't do that. And you've embraced it. And here's what you're doing. As you're going through that circumstance, you've made a conscious or subconscious decision to run away from what God has for you and to isolate yourself. I'm going to tell you something. As you isolate yourself, you're only going to bring more pain to your life. It's only going to deepen the hurt. It's only going to deepen the the spiritual dynamics of it for your life. What God has for you is for you to take the opportunity and come to a group of people who love you and who care for you and who will see you through it. How are you reacting to it? Are you isolating yourself or are you finding it with a group of people who care? See, this is why I think it's so important for you to be involved in a small group Bible study. Because you can hide, in a, even in a room this size, in a church this size, you can hide in a room this size and nobody will ever know. But if you're in a group of maybe eight people and you're saying, how's your week going and stuff, and you get to know people, 
you can really find out where people are at and you can't hide as well. And you need to find some healing there. And so the question is, how are you suffering for others? Now, when you ask that question and you say about finding that group of people, there, there's something else that needs to be asked. And, and it's very important because the first one is hinged on this one, is are you there for others? See, in order for people to come and say, well, I'm going to find my support, I'm going to find my healing in the community of healing, I've got to recognize that there's got to be a community of healing. And so people have got to make a conscious decision that we're going to be a church where people can find healing. People have got to make a conscious decision that we're going to be a church that provides support for people who are going through stuff. We're going to be a church that's going to help people to overcome the sins in their lives. We're going to be that kind of church. And so the question for you is, and for me is, are you going to be that kind of person? Are you going to be there for other people? Now, before you answer that question, because I know how it is, you'll say, well, yeah, I'd like to be, but man, I, <clears throat> George, you don't really know what, I don't have any time for that. And you know how you are. Somebody comes to you, hey, Brad, how's it going? Man, it's not going real good, George. And in the mind, you're thinking, God, I don't need this right now. Don't you know how my day's going? Now Brad's getting ready to dump on me. And so I just shut that conversation. Well, I'm sorry, Brad. I, you know what? Oh, man, I've just got to go. I'm gone. Don't we do that? But you know what? If you want to, how many of you want a community of healing? Let me see your hand. Okay, wait, keep your hands up. All right. Now, everybody look around. Okay, look around. Everybody wants a community of healing. You know where it starts? With a person holding up their hand. I can't wait for a community of healing to start until Sam back there gets his act together and is there for me when I need him. Jesus says, George, community healing starts when you're there for Sam. That's reality. Are you there for others? And then finally, and this is the last point, Become a people of prayer. Some of you are going to be surprised. What do you mean? Some of you are going to be surprised because you have something that is there that you could use that you don't use. And that's the issue of prayer. And if you really connected with God in prayer and then began to see Him work in ways, you'll be surprised to see Him do things that you've never saw Him do before. So my challenge to you is pray. Pray. You know, we got prayer time tonight, 7 o'clock. And it's nothing spectacular, nothing simple. You may even be bored with the format. But the fact is, is we will pray and talk to God. And lift up each other. And listen, I'll be honest with you. You talk to some folks who have been coming for a long time, and they'll tell you that, that they have seen... Our prayers answered on Sunday night in amazing ways. Not spectacular. Not earth-shaking. Not the kind of like Jesus falling off the pinnacle thing that Satan was trying to get him to do. But just simply recognizing that God changed things because we prayed. Become a people of prayer. 
and help each other deal with the reality of suffering. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.